BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yeah, this this rivalry, um, I think it means everything. Um, I know our guys want to win. They want to win a game in the last stretch here, but they want to win this one. This game's got a trophy involved. Anytime there's a trophy involved, it's a special, it's a special football game. Um, obviously, for me growing up in that state, there's a lot of people that I know um, that are going to be cheering for Iowa, which is, you know, obviously adds a little uh, fuel to the fire. Um, there's going to be a lot of people I know in that state that are going to be cheering for Nebraska, and I know that they're wearing black shirts gear to the game and or to the bar or wherever they're watching the game, and they're going to take a lot of heat. And I know they're doing that for me and, and for the Huskers, so that means a lot. Um, but this, this football game, um, this is one that I think is you know, kind of earmarked on, on everyone's calendar all year just because th- this, is, this is the battle for the border right here, and, and we, we, have to, we have to start winning some of these games before you can take the next step in, in, the, in the program's um, rise, if you will. And I, I think these, these games are big in recruiting. These games are, are big for the team, and this, you know, a win in this kind of kind of game can set you up for where you want to go next year. Can set you up a little bit as we go off recruiting. So I think this this game is super important, not only about the rivalry, but also just the the uh, you know just the aftermath that a win could could mean to the program. That was Nebraska defensive coordinator Eric Shenander, unfurling quite a nice banner on what the Iowa Nebraska rivalry means. He knows it from both sides. An Iowa native who walked on at Iowa City, Shenander's had no problem making the switch from one-time Hawkeye to full-time black shirt. In fact, this year's Nebraska defense displays some sort of Iowa-like tendencies, and that's a good thing. Shenander did a good job noting the reach a win here would have. Nebraska can't change any of the realities of this past season with a win on Black Friday. There's no going to a bowl game. There's no going to a better bowl game. There's no going anywhere. It is just the last chance to win a game in 2021 for Nebraska. But there's more to consider here for two programs that intersect often in recruiting. There's also the streak, Iowa's streak. No matter Nebraska's record, the Huskers would love to end that. Can they? How do they? You're listening to the I-80 Preview, Black Friday edition I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We'll open the first half here with a quick anecdote. At some point last Saturday night, after Nebraska had lost to Wisconsin by a touchdown, it occurred to me that just having monitored various power rankings throughout the season, that it was possible, perhaps even probable, that 3-8 and eight Nebraska was going to open as a favorite at home over 9-2 Iowa. Sure enough, at Circus Sports on Sunday, it did. Um, I thought the line might be Nebraska minus one or one and a half. No, Circa opened it at Nebraska minus four. Uh, The perhaps truest evidence of literally throwing out the records. That line came down pretty early on Sunday after it had been released to about 
three and a half. And that's where it was sticking on Monday of this week until Scott Frost announced that quarterback Adrian Martinez would not play. The, the online sports books that I was looking at just to kind of monitor it uh, took that game down briefly, put it back up not long after with uh, Iowa installed as a one and a half point favorite. And that's where it was holding midweek. Makes for an interesting setup at full strength. Most rating systems out there had this as a toss up or even as Nebraska as a slight favorite at home. ESPN's SP plus power ratings rank Iowa 18th this week with a rating of 14.8. Nebraska's 33rd, which is a, a drop from it had been in the high 20s for most of the past five or six weeks. Um, Nebraska's rating didn't drop very much against Wisconsin. I think it went from 13.9 to 13.6, which is what it is going into this game. It was more that some other teams, either directly behind Nebraska, uh, made made some bigger gains. So in terms of overall quality, SP Plus doesn't view Nebraska as much different, nor should it after what it was able to do against that Wisconsin defense in a pretty back-and-forth, well-played, even game for the most part. Those two SP Plus ratings, mash them together, give Nebraska two and a half points for home field advantage, and it has the Huskers minus 1.3. FPI's right in the same neighborhood. It has the Hawkeyes 25th this week, Nebraska 28th. Those ratings from the Football Power Index also combine for a line of Nebraska minus 1.3. At predictiontracker.com, if you look at the 60-some uh, ratings that they compile there. The average line is a, it's in favor of Iowa. It, it, it almost flips from what SP plus and FPI had it. Average line there has the Hawkeyes by one and a half points. Either way, you're, you're looking at a pretty, pretty close to a toss up game in terms of how these teams are evaluated. That said, all of those power ratings don't include Injuries in, involved. Uh, some of them might try to and release updated, updated ratings and rankings, or just tackle that particular problem when they put their picks out there. But the ratings themselves are, are based on two full-strength teams, and of course, as we know, Nebraska has almost certainly the most significant injury it could have. If this is Adrian Martinez's final game, or I guess if last week was his final game at Nebraska. And we'll see on that. Um, he has the option to come back for another year. But if he doesn't, um, he joins Tommy Armstrong Jr. and Taylor Martinez as recent Nebraska quarterbacks who weren't able to play on senior day. Sort of weird. Taylor Martinez took over the career total offense record. Didn't get to play really the last two thirds of his senior season. Tommy Armstrong took that record from Taylor Martinez Two weeks later, he's not able to play in the home finale for the Huskers. Now we have Martinez. He set the total career offense record at Nebraska last week, and now he's not going to be able to go. Just sort of strange. And the past uh, more than 10 years, or almost exactly 10 years of, of Nebraska football, quarterback play-wise at least, in a nutshell. We know then that Adrian Martinez won't be one of our three key players this week, but who are those players? We'll start with Iowa. 
Uh, number one on my list should be a name that I think people are pretty familiar with. Defensive lineman Zach Van Valkenburg. You got to have the guy that Penn State head coach James Franklin said had the most Iowa defensive line name, lineman name ever. He's not wrong. It is straight from, from central casting. And unfortunately for Nebraska, perhaps, and most of the Big Ten this year, uh, Van Valkenburg's play is kind of straight from central casting for an Iowa defensive lineman. Makes things tough on everyone. He's got 10 and a half tackles for loss. Um, Nebraska's quarterbacks in this game, if they do indeed use multiple quarterbacks, will hope that they don't have to, to see Zach too often, but they probably will. Uh, number two, and I'm going to stick on defense here. It's kind of tough not to with this with this Iowa team and how it's built and how it's won this year. Uh, we'll go with defensive back Riley Moss. He's not first on the team in interceptions. He's merely second, but he has four. Uh, two of those returned for touchdowns in the opener against Indiana. Maybe this was just a coincidence. Maybe not, but uh, Moss missed the two games that Iowa lost. He also missed a win after those those back-to-back losses but kind of a key key piece he is a defensive playmaker and with some of the uncertainty for nebraska's offense going in uh, they're gonna have to well they're definitely gonna have to work around him uh best case scenario might be to avoid him third player to watch for the hawkeyes uh gotta rip the band-aid off and go with the one that got away uh bellevue west product and son of former husker cluster johnson Freshman wide receiver Keegan Johnson is having an outstanding season. His touchdown against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, which kept Iowa alive in this division title race in the West. They'll need some help. They don't have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Wisconsin, but uh, was one of the best touchdowns I've seen this season. It was an incredible individual effort and kept Iowa's title hopes alive for the remaining two to three. Uh, two weeks of the season. So it's a tough one. It'll be a tough one for Husker fans. Uh, It'll be tough just to see him in black and gold in Memorial stadium and wonder if it could have gone the other way, but hats off to, to Keegan. He's having an amazing year. I also have to have a honorable mention for Iowa. Um, Almost put him in three, three key players to watch, but felt a little bit too, too easy, I guess, but wide receiver, Charlie Jones, uh, he's, he's a part of Iowa's passing game, which we'll get into a little bit in the second half, but he's also a a pretty significant special teams threat. And when you're playing Iowa, you can usually bet on special teams having a pretty big role. Um, (laughs) we know Nebraska's track record on this. Jones is among the big 10 leaders in punt return yardage. He also has a kickoff return for a touchdown, which Nebraska just gave one up last week uh, in a game that, again, Nebraska lost by seven. So keep an eye on Jones. He's dangerous, and we know Nebraska does not have a particularly strong track record this year uh, when it comes to special teams. Flip the chart over to the, the red side. Who has to play well for Nebraska on Friday? Well, number one is is probably quarterback Logan Smothers. Um, I presume that he's going to get the start. Uh, at the time that I was recording this, Scott Frost said, last spoke on Monday saying that was probably the case, but Heinrich Harburg could also, also see some time. 
Either way, um, facing an Iowa defense isn't the easiest way to make your first start. Reminds me a little bit, however, before you just throw everything out and say, well, not having Adrian Martinez significantly damages Nebraska's chances of winning. It does do that. But uh, it reminded me a little bit of in 2007, before I was working full time in sports media, I went down to Texas to visit my brother. And we went to the 2007 Nebraska-Texas game. Huskers had lost three straight going into that. Texas was ranked, I think, 17th, somewhere around there. I didn't have a lot of uh, expectations for Nebraska going into that game. But they came out and played really well. In fact, they kind of dominated the first three quarters before Texas ripped off a bunch of long runs. Anyway, final drive game for Nebraska. Sam Keller goes down, and it looks like a pretty significant injury. And it would be an injury that kept him out all year and I I'll never forget like kind of turn to my brother and be like well I guess that's the the end of this game and Nebraska didn't come back and win this game but Joe Gans came in and my brother's like well let's see what Gans can do hadn't seen much of him to that point came in and engineered a a really good drive a touchdown drive to kind of give Nebraska a chance like a slim chance uh right there at the end but then we saw Joe Gans go on and really has been kind of as good and consistent uh, a quarterback as, as Nebraska's had at any point over the past 10, 15 years. Um, maybe not as good. I mean, obviously you look at Taylor Martinez and Tommy Armstrong and Adrian Martinez and some of the big plays they were able to do. But Gans was just really solid. I have no idea if, if Smothers is, is ready to be that kind of guy. In fact, it would be a pretty major surprise if he was right out of the gates, but I did think of that. It, I've seen it before in, in person um, where you kind of have no expectations, set your personal worry meter to the worst, and then you see what happens. So hopefully Smothers comes out and plays pretty free and not reckless, but plays free. Nebraska's got one game left. No reason to hold anything back. Number two for me this week for the Huskers, Going with outside linebacker Garrett Nelson. Um, strong game against Wisconsin from him. And, and really a strong season from the sophomore when you really step back and, and take a look at it. He's got 11 and a half tackles for loss going into this game. That's the highest total at Nebraska since Luke Gifford had 12 in 2018. If Nelson gets one to, to put him at 12 and a half tackles for loss on the year, it would be the most since Randy Gregory had 16 in, in 2013. His development as a player, but also as, I think, one of the leaders on this team. He's a, he's a player you hear from pretty often, post-game, midweek, after practice. Has been, has been really fun to watch. Third, I'm going to go with tight end Austin Allen. This is the junior senior day. Monday of this week, Allen said he was undecided on on returning and his draft profile is definitely rising uh but on tuesday of this week he released a really nice kind of open letter to to nebraska fans basically saying that this would be his final game as as a husker so yeah tip your tip your cap to him and give him a pat on the back for everything he's given to the program over his career um it would be nice to 
see him leave on a high note, though what Nebraska can do in the passing game remains perhaps the biggest mystery on Friday, given the circumstances. We'll get into that, but for now, that takes us to halftime. After the break, we'll dive into the game in depth. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity, and this is the preview podcast forecast. And I was coming to town on Friday on November 26th, and, you know, the normal high is 47 degrees, and the record high is 71 guess which one we're going to be closer to. Well, let's take a look. Here's the forecast. If you're out and about early doing some tailgating, 8 a.m., sure, chill in the air, partly cloudy skies, uh, temperatures in the middle 30s, a southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Then by 10 a.m., warming up quickly, partly cloudy skies, already temperatures in the lower 40s with that southwest breeze picking up a little bit at 5 to 15 miles per hour. By kickoff, just afternoon at 1230, temperatures in the lower 50s, so already above average by kickoff with partly cloudy skies and a southwest wind and by halftime partly cloudy skies and can you believe it we could be in the upper 50s maybe even the lower 60s southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour keep in mind though that record high is in the lower 70s so i don't think we'll quite get there but we'll we'll be a stone's throw away then by the fourth quarter Partly cloudy skies and temperatures cooling off a little bit into the middle 50s with that southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. For any kinds of updates, you can find all kinds of information on my Husker Weather Twitter and Facebook page. Also, RustyWX, that's my personal one. And as always, on all of Hale Varsity's social websites. Go Big Red! How does Nebraska beat Iowa for the first time in six tries? This game isn't going to be very appetizing. It's the day after Thanksgiving. What do you expect? Not a lot looks appetizing at that exact moment. But Iowa, in in typical fashion, has a blue ribbon defense, subsistence offense, and buttoned up special teams. Nebraska has a defense that can match Iowa's in at least one key component, an offense that's a bit of a mystery now, and, well, the special teams you've seen all season. Here are three things I think Nebraska needs to do to in this 2021 season on a winning note. First key, this game should be all about leverage, especially when Nebraska has the football. Iowa's defense ranks fifth in leverage rate at 63.2%. That's just the percentage of standard downs compared to all downs. So there's standard downs and there's passing downs. The difference is an offense wants to be in standard downs as often as possible, A defense wants to get teams into passing downs as often as possible. And Iowa gets teams in passing downs at a top five rate. It's keeping opponents off schedule 36.8% of the time. Nebraska's offense ranks 36th nationally in leverage rate. It's in a standard down 70.7% of the time. So there's the gap. Iowa's defense tends to keep teams down around the 60% mark. In terms of standard downs, Nebraska offense has been at the 70% mark. Which way does it go from there? This is important because Nebraska's success rate, which is just kind of the efficiency metric that I use most often when looking at these games and teams, has been down a little bit from, from where it was over the previous three seasons. It's not down to a level that's troubling. Nebraska's about average, but... One of the hallmarks of the previous three seasons, despite Nebraska not winning as many games as it probably could have, 
was that the success rate remained high. And that's usually a pretty good predictor of how good a team is going to be going forward. This year, Nebraska's success rate is 49.6% on standard downs, which is 54th nationally, so a little above average. It's 30.4% on passing downs, which is 74th. So there's your example of why you want to stay ahead of the chains. Um, You're looking at one out of every two plays almost being what would be considered a success for the offense versus one in three. That's at full strength for Nebraska's offense, those numbers. Now you've got to adjust for backup quarterbacks. Running the ball to stay on schedule hasn't been a consistent part of Nebraska's game this year. Now it has to do it against a top 15 run defense. It's fair to wonder how the Huskers are going to go about staying on schedule. With Smothers in, I'm guessing you'll see some more option looks and probably more designed QB run than Nebraska was able to do with Martinez, given his health. You're in a a one-game season now, um, so there's no real reason to, to hold anything back. Will that be enough for Nebraska? Will they be able to stay on schedule? Like, bring Iowa's rate up. I don't expect Nebraska to be where it has been all season, but can it get the better of that matchup? We'll see. Everything's easier on schedule. That's true of any game. But Iowa is basically built to to force the issue. Throwing against this defense when it knows you're likely to throw it isn't fun for a four-year starter at quarterback, much less a quarterback making his first start. On that note, point number two here, key number two, I guess. Martinez's injury really stings because takes away or at least diminishes a Nebraska strength that I think matched up with one of the minor weaknesses in this Hawkeye defense. Iowa's defense is top 15 nationally in all of the efficiency stats I look at each week. And it's second best nationally at limiting explosive rushes. Neither of those things are surprising. That's kind of Iowa's bread and butter. But this year's defense is 71st in explosive passes allowed. It's given up 17 passes of 30-plus yards. That ranks 78th nationally. But it's a bit of a boomer bust scenario when it it comes to throwing against this Iowa defense. Uh, There's some slight upside when you look at kind of the explosive plays that Iowa has given up via the pass, there's also a bunch of risk. Iowa's 21 interceptions lead the country. They certainly have a knack for snatching opponent passes this year. Hawkeyes have 66 passes defended. That's 21 interceptions plus 45 pass breakups. Typically, you can expect, and this number is very, very... uh, doesn't change year to year across college football. Like the national average is always this. You can expect about 20% of a team's passes defended to be interceptions this year for Iowa. It's interceptions are 31.8% of its total passes defended. You'd expect a team based on that national average 
with the passes defended Iowa has to be at 13.2 interceptions. So you're almost plus eight above expectation. For those power rankings out there that we talked about a little bit earlier, to have Iowa and Nebraska as pretty much even, um, this is a part of the reason why. Uh, you could call it turnovers luck. That's how Bill Connolly of ESPN tends to put it. Um, and it's what it is. You wouldn't expect to have 21 interceptions based on how often Iowa has gotten its hands on the ball. But Iowa has them. It's 9-2 and two in large part because it's gotten them consistently. For Nebraska, at full strength, the big play passing game was probably the Huskers' most consistent trait all season. It was how Nebraska chose to attack Wisconsin last week. It nearly worked. It definitely worked to the degree of a season high in yards against the Badgers. Is that on the table this week with backup quarterbacks? If it's not, the Huskers' offense might be in for a long day. How do they get a chance to have the passing game be a feature of the tech? you got to go back to key number one, stay on schedule. Do that, and Nebraska might be able to scheme some things open to a talented group of, of receivers, some of whom we won't see again after this. Throwing on standard downs also offers another key advantage. It keeps Nebraska out of situations where turnovers are more likely, obviously a key against Iowa. Despite its broader history with turnovers, specifically turnover margin, Huskers have actually been pretty good under Scott Frost in this game against Iowa. Nebraska's just minus two over the past three games against Iowa. It's part part of why all three were close. So avoiding turnovers is a lot about keeping yourself in good situations, um, which would be out of pure passing downs, um, out of situations where you're far behind the chains, and out of situations where you trail for, for much of the game. These are all things that, you know, any team, not just Nebraska, kind of has to think about going in and facing the Hawkeyes because they are excellent about creating the game that they want and getting the game that they want and then letting it work for them. We'll take a look at Iowa's offense for the third key here. Uh, Nebraska's got to keep Iowa's passing game pedestrian. Hawkeyes are going to run the ball. They'll run the ball even when the gains aren't much. Iowa rushed for 1.7 yards per carry against both Iowa State and Colorado State. Those were both wins. The team for the season is averaging just 3.12 yards per carry. Despite that, with 55 yards on Friday, running back Tyler Goodson would go over 1,000 yards. Iowa sticks with it, and it can set up the passing game by doing so. The Hawkeyes rank 92nd in explosiveness overall. But when they do hit for big plays, it's via the passing game. Tight end Sam Laporta leads the team with 36, 37 catches for 425 yards. Talked about freshman wide receiver Keegan Johnson. He's averaging 20 yards per catch on 16 catches. Overall, six Iowa pass catchers plus running back Goodson have over 15 catches on the season. So the Hawkeyes do a good job of spreading it around. Eric Shenander specifically talked about how, well, he was talking about the tackling against Wisconsin and how 
with these teams that go with a lot of big sets, so much of the action is focused in the middle of the field that you miss a tackle, things leak out, and there's there's not a people not a lot of people even left to make a tackle. Um, certainly happened to the Huskers against the Badgers. That would be trouble here, but I think the bigger danger is Iowa is very very patient. Uh, it sticks to the run. You got to be prepared for that. But then then the play action passes come, and it's really a matter of discipline for everybody involved in pass coverage not to creep up too much. Can the Huskers do that? They've done a good job of limiting big plays all season long. That said, when those big plays have come, Huskers have been a little bit more susceptible in the passing game where they rank 20th in explosiveness versus the run where they rank third. Um, it was surprising to you. Well, Braylon Allen's a, a heck of a running back for Wisconsin. A bit surprising to see the Badgers score on two long touchdown runs, though, as I just mentioned, Shenander explained a little bit of why that happens. But Wisconsin was also able to find some big plays through through the tight end, um, through Ferguson and the passing game. So Nebraska, this is a strength. We're 11 games in. What they do is is keep things in front and limit big plays. The easiest way for Friday's game to get out of hand for Nebraska is if that season-long soundness slips away. Iowa's defense, or excuse me, Iowa's offense doesn't need a full Thanksgiving spread to survive. It'll get by on just dinner rolls, thanks. Nebraska's goal defensively has to make sure, is to make sure that Iowa only gets dinner rolls. No gravy, no gravy for the Hawkeyes on, on Black Friday. Give this offense a seat at the at the full table. Let it have the options to to have a full plate and things get difficult pretty quickly. That'll do it for the show this week. Um, that'll do it for the show this season, uh, which just fills me with a little bit of of sadness. But I don't want to end on a sad note. Um, hopefully you had or can have, depending on when you're listening, as much from the Thanksgiving table as you like. I'm thankful for you for listening to this show for another season of, well, difficult Husker football. But difficult's pretty interesting. It's been a hard season to figure out, one that doesn't add up. And I'll probably spend a lot of time this offseason trying to understand why. Nebraska is going to get a new idea injection with its upcoming coaching hires. It'll make for an interesting offseason, one that is probably going to include a lot of change, I think, beyond just some new assistance. There'll be plenty to work through, and we'll, of course, be doing that every day at Hale Varsity. This is my 10th football season with Hale Varsity. I've been with us since we started, and I'm thankful for that as well. We've got a great team that puts in a ton of hard work to continually push our coverage forward. I'm thankful for them. And I'm thankful for our readers and subscribers for making any of it possible. If you're not a subscriber or are just looking for a holiday gift idea, keep an eye on our social media feeds around Thanksgiving. I think you'll like what you find. 
We're offering our best deal yet on a year of Hale Varsity, and we'd love to have you or someone you know join us. Thanks for listening. A Huda Media Production.